Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Good morning, everybody. I'll tell you what, I, I love the sunshine, but I also love uh, Oregon winters. It was really great driving out here this morning with all the rain and the gray, and, and then the rain started to turn to snow, and I don't know, I just love that stuff. It's great. So I know you might think I'm strange, but what's new, right? So anyway, I'm, great to, I'm glad to be here, excited about the winter coming up but even more excited about being tangled, being more excited about uh, all of the guys that are coming out from all over the country. And uh, so we got a couple more preachers coming online uh, from back east, and we do need to pray that, uh, that everything, their travel will be blessed. That's what I've been praying, that the Lord would bless their travel here instead of uh, the devil keeping them from getting out here. So we got folks from... Uh, uh, we're trying to get somebody from Virginia, uh, but we got folks from Ohio and from Michigan and uh, from Montana, and uh, we got several preachers from around Oregon, so I'm pretty excited about that. So we need to pray for uh, family camp coming up. I think it's like six weeks away, and we're going to ask, uh, for those of you who'd be attending, if you have room uh, in your homestead, and it says here, if you're willing and able to host some guests uh, from out of town, that would be fantastic. And uh, all the preachers I have coming are nice guys. They won't bite. They're, they're, they're really good guys. And so I'm going to start it over here, and we just pass it around. And, and if you have uh, some room in your place, there you go. Uh, that would be fantastic. And uh, so, and I know some of them are coming in, and like one of the guys from Michigan always gets his own hotel, so... He's going to be doing that. Oh, as you came in, these two sheets were on the uh, uh, desk out there. One is the registration form and then the information sheet. And so that gives you all the information that uh, you need to know about Oregon Family Camp. And uh, Scott needs pictures uh, from uh, events and activities uh, and, and funny, scary pictures of you doing things, serving the Lord that you didn't know were in existence, but are. If you have any of those, please give them to Scott. He will use them uh, appropriately at the right time. Right, Scott? So uh, it's always, a, that's one of my favorite times is to see all the scary faces. So it's going to be a good time. So I don't want to see faces. I don't want to see pictures with masks, preferably. Yeah, yeah, please don't do the mask man thing. We've just had enough of that. I don't know about you, but I've had enough of that. So, um. College Age Fellowship is going to be happening tomorrow night, so if you thought that we were going to shut her down so we can have a movie night this coming Friday, actually, uh, we are going to have a College Age Fellowship, and we have a guest from uh, Minsk, Belarus that will be there, and so she is coming. She is our new interpreter. Her name is Ann uh, Bulankova. She was uh, Ann Shlokovich. So anyway, she is going to be Skyped in, so she's very excited to participate in the College Age group, and... Uh, so I hope you can make it. And uh, we're not going to have a million dollar spaghetti, but something just as good. So if you're in college age group, come on out. Uh, family camp registration, all the information is here is February 10th 
That's a Wednesday, the 14th, the following Sunday. Uh, both ladies and gents, we would like you to stay afterwards and help us clean up because we're going to be using downstairs a little bit more than what we have in the past. And, uh, and so the kitchen area can be used then to facilitate uh, some of the, the, the food things that go on. So with that, if you take a look at that, that would be great. Brad McKinney's birthday's coming up. We'll have to wait till he shows up. He is out of circulation right now. Uh, Nevada swallowed him up with family, so we're going to have to wait to sing him happy birthday. So, but we do have some uh, notes of encouragement for the folks here. And uh, this one uh, starts out, Miriam, a constant source of sisterly love and concern for the welfare of others. Amen. Can I get a shout out for Miriam right down front? Woohoo! Thank you. That's awesome. Whoever wrote that, that's great. Ryan, your prayer meditations are so thoughtful and encouraging. You, your use of everyday life illustrations and stories really bring the truth alive. And I can say amen to that one. Where is he? Back there. Let's give it up for Ryan. I've ridden with Ryan in his log truck. I know I probably shouldn't be saying that publicly, but uh, uh, he's an excellent driver. Uh, excellent driver. And if you have ridden with him before in his personal cars, he's much safer in his log truck, trust me. So anyway. <laughs> Melissa Parks, your service in the body is such a light and encouragement. You're willing to step up uh, whenever there's a need truly is inspiring. Thank you especially for helping make sure everyone can make it to family camp in an organized fashion. I'm so glad you are doing that and not me. Woohoo! I have, a, I have a tough time trying to herd those preachers, and you, you get to herd everybody, so. Uh, well, I know, I'm Melissa Parks. I am so grateful for your godly example and your mindset in being ready to serve Christ's body where needed. Let's give it up once again for Melissa. Eric Johnson, thankful for your concern and support over the many years. Keep growing in your love for God and excelling in the works of faith. Thanks, Eric. Good job for Eric. Back over there. Mrs. Compton, you are such a wonderful, sweet person. Your smile makes the whole room beam, or I'm sorry, brighten. You are a great encouragement. How many would agree with that smile? I would. That's Tony, it's wonderful to come in and see your beautiful smile. Man, see, you show up and everybody's loving on you. All right, here you go for Tony. Give it up for Tony. There you go. All right. Do I need to make any other announcements? Oh, yes, yes, thank you. A little bird just reminded me. How could I have forgotten from last week? I'm old. Hey, you know what? It's your birthday. Evan, why don't you stand up so everybody can see who you is? Wow, you're even tall. This is cool. How old are you now? Eight. Eight. Do you remember when you were eight years old? <laughs> no, Evan, you got so much time on your hands, but man, I'm so glad you're here. And by the way, Evan is our new bell ringer with company. Thank you very much. We should give it up for Evan right now for his excellent bell ringing ability. Thanks, Ev. And uh, I think uh, some of the other young... Well, don't, don't sit down yet. 
we're going to sing to you. We're going to sing to you. Okay? You know, you're the star here this morning. Brad skipped out, so you're the only one. Okay? So uh, also to the other young companions that you grabbed, also great job, guys. Thank you very much. All right. So here we go. We're singing you happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Stop smiling really big. Happy birthday to you. Wow. Man, I was really going to split your face in half. You're smiling so big, man. Yeah, that's what happens when you're eight years old, man. It's cool. Cool stuff. All right. Now we can start. We're almost ready. I haven't, I haven't missed a beat yet. Okay, so turn in, turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. I have some other guys that are a little bit older than eight. They're going to be helping out here in just a moment. Uh, Hebrews in chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Very familiar passage, and yet, as I've been reading through the passages on steadfastness being immovable, um, on passages in regards to perseverance, persistence, and uh, endurance. Uh, This passage consistently pops up. And uh, so I'm using this to introduce our theme uh, for the year in um, specific. So chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Gentlemen, if you'd like to bring the banner up, this is this year's theme. You've heard it. I want you to see it. Um, this coming Saturday, I'm going to have a, a party of one out here working on this, these walls. I'll transform the whole this whole side of the building. Anyway, so our theme for this year, as you all know, is the power of perseverance. The power of perseverance. And the two anchor scriptures, I'm going to hold it up real high. The two anchor scriptures that we're using are from the book of Revelation in chapter 14 and from Hebrews in chapter 10. And we need to recognize and understand the time that we live in demands that we are persevering. When the devil wants to shut our mouths, we need to work together to shout it out. And so I'm glad that Evan's ringing the bell. And Evan, you have my permission. Where are you? You have my permission to ring the bell louder. Louder, Okay. So we want to not only wake up the bats in the belfry, we want to wake up everybody around Lane County. Can you do that? All right. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate that. It's important for us to recognize. No, no, no. <laughs> Thank you for for uh, for helping out. I appreciate that. I feel better. By yeah. <laughs> I'll get you up here next time. So I want you to, to understand where we've been. We've only had a couple sermons, but I wanted to kind of set the stage for launching into the power of perseverance. Everything that we need for life and godliness has been granted to us through 
the power in us through the Holy Spirit and the true knowledge of God. Now we need to use that in these very difficult times. Now, I don't know if you have experienced what I have, and I think you have, that I just always feel a little uh, out of balance. It, it just seems like whatever we do, there's, there's a catch to it somewhere. It takes a little bit longer to do this. Uh, you have to rethink the way you do a certain thing. It's just different now. And I don't like the terminology new normal. I will never get used to this. So it won't be normal. I feel off balance. But normal for the Christian should be the peace that we have in Christ Jesus. And so by the grace of God, we've been building. And so I started off my very first lesson by just defining the word perseverance and taking a look at what we've done before. The next one was we actually looked at the passage of Scripture in the book of Revelation in chapter 14, particularly verse 12, talking about doing the will of God and persevering. But also, too, last week we took a look at Hebrews in chapter 10. We have need of endurance. In fact, we've always had need of endurance. I mean, how many times have we seen people start to run the race and they just don't have what it takes to finish the race with faith? And so it's important for us to recognize that those two verses we'll be using all year long as kind of anchor verses. But this verse this morning uh, is critical because it's going to speak to the prerequisites really for being a man or woman of, of perseverance. You can't just persevere without substance. You have to have substance in you in order to persevere. You need to be able to push back and not wither away. You need to be able to stand up and not shrink down. We need to recognize that there is power available to us through three foundational elements for building a life of perseverance. And you're going to say, well, I know those already. I hope you don't say that because I sometimes say that about myself when I hear someone say something. I go, I've heard that verse a lot. But maybe we haven't heard the whole of the truth in that area. These things remain, Paul says, faith, hope, and love. And I don't believe God just willy-nilly goes, oh, I have three things left here that are left that remain. So I'll just throw them on the paper and whichever one's lands, wherever it lands, it lands the way it lands. I don't believe that's how God works. He's a God of order. He's a God of logic. He's a God of wisdom. And so faith comes first and then hope and then love. But they work together. We need to recognize if a man does not have faith or a woman does not have faith, they are not going to have the conviction and the trust in God to power through. At some point in time, they'll buckle. But we look at great men and women of faith who had absolute conviction, had absolute trust in God, and continued to move forward regardless of what was put in front of them. They did not see things as problems. They saw things as challenges and opportunities, as we talked about this morning. And then we need to take a look at hope. If you do not believe in heaven, or if you do not believe that you're worthy, or if you do not believe that your salvation is secure in Christ, again, the pain that 
you might have to go through or the suffering that you might have to go through would cause you to back off and say, you know what? I got 20 good years left. I don't want to throw them away on something that's not a sure thing. Well, see, that's what Satan wants is for you not to have the conviction and the trust. That's what Satan wants. He does not want you to be living for the hope of the resurrection unto life eternal. And he does not want you to love like Christ. Because when you love like Christ, it opens the hearts of others who have been held captive by the devil to do his will. And so in order to power through, you have to have such a love for God and a love for people that you'll endure all things for them. And then you have such a faith that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him that you will not back down. You'll continue to push forward. And, of course, a hope that is waiting for us. You heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. I can't stand the statement I've heard so many times. Man, some people are just too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good. My belief of the scriptures is this. Everything we need for life now and for life of him in heaven is granted to us through the word of God. Everything that we need is, is here for us and endurance is something that we need. The Bible says so. The word of God says so. And if the word of God says we need endurance, I'm not going to balk at that. I need endurance. I'll embrace it. But the question is, is do I have what it takes? Do I have the faith that drove Jesus to the cross, through the cross, to the throne? Do you have the faith of Jesus to drive you through your crosses, through to the throne? Do you have the hope that cannot be shaken because it's built upon his sacrifice and not your works? And do you have a love that's willing to sacrifice self when others are sacrificing you? Because that's really the love of Jesus Christ. I'm just introducing today. We're going to spend the next several weeks before and after family camp looking at these three foundational critically foundational elements for perseverance so that you can examine those things and build your faith, build your hope, build your love on Jesus Christ. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, help us, help us to understand these three fundamental, essential, foundational elements for our perseverance. So many examples will be shared in the coming year, of men and women of faith, hope, and love, who endured until the end. They persevered and were fruitful, both in their personal growth and in drawing other people unto you. Father, we need to be those people in this century, in this generation. Help us now this morning to listen very carefully as we work through these things. As a broad brush introduction, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's begin. I'm going to not take a whole lot of time in any one of these as this is an introduction. But notice point number one, the faith of Christ should be our faith. His convictions should be our convictions. And the conviction and the trust that Jesus had in God and in his rewarding drove him, as I said, through the persecutions to the throne. Look at this, the race, the runner, the rule. Going back to Hebrews in chapter 12, we see in this first point 
the race, the runner, and the rule. And you're saying, what are you talking about? Let's take a look. Look at verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. The writer says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, those who've gone on before us by faith, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on the runner, Jesus Christ, for the author, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to recognize and understand that the, the race is actually the life of Christ, the life of faithfulness until death and we are, re, are united with our Christ. Turn with me to the book of Galatians in chapter two. The apostle Paul was the foremost of all sinners. He says that of himself, the Holy Spirit allows him to write that. So it is truth. He was the foremost of all sinners, but he became one of the greatest of all servants. And notice what Paul says here in Galatians in chapter two and verse 20. Make this one of your memory passages and go back and look and see if well, how I read it if it's not true in the Greek. Listen very carefully. I'm gonna read it a little bit differently than what it is in most of your translations. In Galatians in chapter two and verse 20, the apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The, the race is the life of Christ. It's no longer Bill who lives, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you if you're a Christian. But notice what, uh, what the Apostle Paul says here in this verse. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's actually in the scriptures. It's a possessive. Christ's faith, Christ's faith as a human being, a man like you and I, was able to live and throw off all the entanglements so they did not ever bind him up. He was pure and holy and he made it through the cross to the throne. And that's really what we should be doing in this race, living the life like Jesus because he's the one that set the course. Isn't there more than one scripture that says we need to walk in the footsteps of Christ? Be imitators of God? That's what this is talking about, the race. Now the runner, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 talks about the runner, Jesus Christ. And so we need to see Jesus Christ as the one who's gone before us. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Notice we need to lock on to the lead man and follow in order to get to the finish line and through the finish line. Because when we start looking around and we start looking at ourselves, we're going to shut down. Now, I've never run a long distance race before, but I do know that there are times when you're thinking, I just don't want to do this anymore when you're running. I don't want to do this anymore. Jesus Christ powered all the way through to the throne. Not my will, but thine be done is what he said. And so the, the runner is in fact Jesus Christ. You know, I've said this before, but in the scriptures, it says that Jesus Christ is the prototokos, the prototype for the Christian. Well, you have a prototype of anything 
then those things that are manufactured or created after the prototype are like the prototype. And Jesus operated in this race as the runner according to faith. And so we need to recognize that by his faith, he could run the race. By his faith, we can live the life. And finally, the rule. Go back with me to the book of Galatians and chapter 6. The standard is faith. The rule is faith. Now that doesn't sound like faith, but let's read here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, verse 15 and 16. Some of you are very familiar with this passage of Scripture. Paul has been combating the legalism that had crept into the church. He continues to speak about faith. So in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15 and 16, it says, as a Christian, you're a new creation. You're a new creature. You are not like the old man or old woman having to do by law rather than empowered by faith. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15 and 16. The apostle Paul says this. He says, for neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any person is in Christ, they're a new creation. A Christian is a new creation. And notice what he says here in that very next verse. He says, nothing matters except for a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, those who will live by this standard, peace and mercy be upon them and the Israel of God. And you all know, because you've heard this before, the new creation standard is Galatians 5, 6. What does Galatians 5, 6 say? Just look on the other page. Just right across the page. What's Galatians 5, 6 say? If you're in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. That's the new standard. Faith working through love. And we see the love of Christ manifest in Christ Jesus. And the world should see the love of Christ manifest in his body, the church, but only through faith. So faith is the starting point. So we need to go back. What's the race, the life of Christ? Who's the runner? Jesus Christ, I bear his name. If you're a Christian, you bear his name, Christian, Christ one. And what's the standard? What's the rule? What's the course? Faith working through love. That's what we're called to. Now look at the second point. The hope of Christ should be our hope. Jesus Christ knew that he was going to be raised from the dead. Jesus Christ knew that he was going to be seated at the right hand. He started speaking that right at the beginning of his ministry, after he came out of the wilderness, having been tempted by the devil. He actually speaks about his resurrection unto the right hand of God immediately afterward, his first miracle. You can go back and take a look at it in Matthew chapter 4. Now, let's take a look at this. The purpose, the pain, and the prize for our hope. Going back to Hebrews in chapter 12, what does it say there? It says, Jesus the runner, who set the standard by his life, who for the joy set before him. The joy set before him? The joy set before him is his purpose. My purpose is to get to heaven and bring as many people with me as possible. Now, do you think Jesus Christ was living for himself or living for you and I that he someday would see you in heaven with him? Was he living for you when he lived on this earth? 
Did he live his life perfectly so he could be a sin sacrifice for your sin and my sin? He knew you when he walked this earth. All the sins of the world were poured into his body. Peter says that our sins were born in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. He was speaking to people that didn't even know who Jesus Christ was. But Jesus knew them and bore their sins in his body on the cross. We need to recognize then that the purpose here that we see is that Jesus Christ came, that he would have a multitude of us with him in heaven, those who would walk by faith and not by sight. We'll turn with me to the book of Luke in chapter 15. Luke 15 and take a look there at what Jesus is speaking of. Luke chapter 15 and verse 3 through 7. Jesus speaks this parable to them and listen to his heart. He, Jesus, told them this parable saying, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays on his shoulder, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you, that in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The scriptures teach there, as well as the other passages, when someone is immersed into Christ by faith, there's more joy in heaven than the rest of us. In other words, they're partying in heaven for the joy set before him. Those who would become Christians... And so just recently, we have a new sister in Christ. Praise God, Tiffany was immersed in the Christ. What was it, three weeks ago, two weeks ago? 23 days. Okay, 23 days, good. I'm pretty close. <laughs> and the reality is, is that I told her, man, did you hear the angels? They're singing, they're rejoicing. There's more joy in heaven. When one lost sheep comes home, Jesus lived for that joy and he knew the only way to experience that joy is for him to go through the pain. Look at the next statement in Hebrews in chapter 12. Endured the cross despising the shame. Because of the joy, he was willing to go through the pain. Do you want the joy of heaven? Do you want the joy of seeing other people getting to heaven? Of course you do. If you're in Christ, of course you do. And so you're willing to suffer now to help people become Christians. You know the song, Bringing in the Sheaves? Sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness. And the guy's weeping the whole time. But when does he rejoice? When he gets to heaven and he sees everybody that he helped get there. Rejoicing. You see, we need to recognize we need to be willing to go through some suffering to get to the joy. Jesus was, and we're to follow in his footsteps. But look at the last one there, the purpose, the pain, and the prize. I'm telling you what, we need to recognize we're only going to hear one of two things when we enter into heaven. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest, or depart from me, cursed one, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And you get to choose, brethren, which it is right now. You get to choose it. And you choose it by 
living for the hope of the joy that is set before you and being willing to power through the pain because of the joy of others making to heaven. And then you, you yourself, will receive that prize. Look at the book of Philippians in chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, in fact, we might read a couple extra verses because you need to know that Paul was more than willing to go through the pain to get the prize. Look at uh, uh, Philippians in chapter 3. We could begin there in verse 7. He says, Philippians 3 and verse 7, Look, listen for the prize now. Whatever, whatever things were gained to me in this life, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but garbage so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, law-keeping, but that which is through the faith of Christ. It's really there. Check me out in the Greek. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, the communion, the sharing of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Why? In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Brethren, that's hope, man. I want the prize. There's nothing wrong with with toiling for the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, knowing that he promised to reward you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's throughout the scriptures. But you should work works of faith, which is works of love. Last point. The, the, the love of Christ should be our love. The love of Christ should be our love. Notice the endurance, the energy, the exaltation that comes from the love of Jesus Christ. That's found also too in Hebrews in chapter 12. Go back with me to Hebrews 12. And notice enduring the cross, or I'm sorry, uh, for the joy set before him, looking to the throne, enduring the cross, suffering the pain, sat down at the right hand of God, the prize for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary, you'll have the energy that you need, and you will not, not lose heart, but be filled with exaltation when you enter in. Brethren, let's take a look at these last three, the endurance, Hebrews 3, or 12, 3. He says there, obviously, for consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Think about that for just a minute. We talked about it this morning. The power of love that Jesus showed when he was being mercilessly beaten and the excruciating pain that he went through on the cross and during all of that, go back and look, during all of that, he was more concerned about others' pain and others' suffering and others' fears than he was about his own. You go back and look. 
I believe that's one of the, the greatest examples of God's love manifest in a human being. On those last few hours of Jesus' life, think about it for just a minute. How could you and I do such an amazing work of love consistently with everybody we met when we are so beaten to a pulp, so uh, in pain and suffering, excruciating is where they, they got the word excruciating, crucifixion, excruciating. And he was focused on loving other people and concerned about their souls, concerned about their lives, both in this world and in the one to come. That's love, man, that's love. You see, he endured because he loved people more than he loved himself. Do we love others more than we love ourselves? That's the love of Jesus Christ. Well, what's the second one there? Energy. The energy it took could only come from God's love. You know John 3, 16. I don't need to read that. You don't need to turn there. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son so that he might be crushed. He so loved you and I, he crushed his son. Jesus Christ, as an obedient son, took that on himself, the love of the Father, and he loved us so much, he was allowing, he allowed himself to be crushed. He allowed himself to be crushed. He allowed himself to be ransomed. He allowed himself to be sacrificed. He allowed himself to be filled with the whole all the sin of the world, so that some, some who came to a right understanding of him would escape the snares of the devil. But you know 1 John 3.16, 1 John, little John 3.16, don't you? We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for each other. Brother, you know how we're going to get out of this? is by loving each other more than we love ourselves. That's how we're getting out of this. Because you're going to come alongside a brother or sister and help them. You know, the Marines have it right. No one's left behind. Are we going to be those people that are constantly reaching out to brothers and sisters in Christ when they're struggling? Or are we just going to cut them off? Oh, they're, they're baggage. They're dead wood. Is that how we do that? I've seen it unfortunately happen in the churches. That's absolutely messed up. That's not Jesus' love. That's a love of self. Just cut all the toxic people out of your life. Might I suggest that everyone is toxic at some point in time or another. If you are about that kind of business, you're not going to have anybody around you. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't cut the toxic person you were out of his life when you were most definitely toxic in sin? I'm glad he didn't. Let's finish with the exaltation. He says here in chapter 12 and verse 3, so that you will not grow weary. The love of God is what powers us so that we don't grow weary and don't give up. But notice it says, so you don't lose heart. You ever seen somebody who's lost heart? Their body language screams, I'm beaten. Their, their words and how they say their words scream, they're beaten. We never saw that in Jesus. Never. 
and we're Christians. We have the spirit of Christ in fullness in us. We have the word of God in its completeness so that we might have faith like Christ. He's seated at the right hand. Let's take a look at a scripture that talks about the exaltation for those who will have the love of God so they will not lose heart, but they'll be filled with the love of God in their heart so that they're going to power through and be with him, like him, face to face. Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire or deal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. You see, Jesus Christ's sufferings were motivated by his love for us. He was willing to suffer so that we wouldn't have to an eternity in the lake of fire. And now he's exalted to the right hand. And we, brethren, are going to share in that exaltation if we'll continue, like Christ Jesus, being willing to suffer, not for evil doing, but for doing what we've been called to do as those who are followers of Jesus Christ, Christians, Christ ones, loving people with his love, having a heart filled with hope because he secured our place in heaven and walking by his convictions and his complete and total trust in God's provision. Brethren, let's build those three foundational component parts as we continue to understand what it means to persevere. Persevere, for we need perseverance. Let's pray. Our holy God, how thankful we are for your word. How thankful we are for your son Jesus Christ, the perfect example of faith, the perfect example of a man filled with absolute hope in understanding where he was from and where he's going and where he will be. And Father, we are so deeply thankful for the great love which he was willing to give to us, continue to give to us, and call us to give to others. Father, I praise you and thank you for these foundational principles, but let's come to a right understanding and let's walk in perfect faith as was shared by our brother Ken from the book of Ephesians to the fullness of the stature which belongs to Christ to the unity of the faith. Now, Father, I just pray that we would build on faith, recognize our security because of his sacrifice and then love like he loved that we might be with him forever and eternity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may stand and let's get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Let's get her done. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org 
or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.